Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Pretty good. I mean, there was a bit of a comeback in that game. It was heading into the charting charting towards like total dismay and uh, despair territory for Oilers fans when they were down four to one. Um, But the Oilers pulled back in the game and they made a game out of it. Came with, you know, within hitting the goalpost in the final minute uh, from the dry saddle of tying the game up. So it was a pretty good effort in Tampa. Overall, they lost 5-3 in the end. There was an empty net goal. We had the uh, grade, A shot, <coughs> grade A shots tonight, Bruce, at 13-12 to 12 for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the five alarm shots, so grade A shots we figure go in about you know, around roughly 25% of the time. The five alarm shots, which we're also tracking now, 10-6 for Tampa. Um, some of that was kind of on self-inflicted on the Oilers, and we'll get into that a little bit, but in terms of just bumbling mistakes down low. But so 10-6 for Tampa. So they had the much better uh, quality chances, although overall the the, the grade-A shots were, were pretty much even. Uh, Bruce, I'll start it off with a good thing. And I, I thought Connor McDavid was spectacular tonight. Um, and it and it and it's in its interest. So he scored two goals, both of them fantastic rushes and great, just great tricky shots. Um the second one especially, he fooled the goalie. And it's, uh, I've mentioned this before, but the legendary Edmonton skills coach, Jim Fleming, says that, you know, there's there's shooting and there's scoring. And scoring is when you do something with your stick. You know, you, you, you change the angle of your shot, you alter your shot at the last second and deceive the goalie. And that's exactly what McDavid did, where he pulled the puck in closer to himself and shot through a screen then and picked the corner on Vasilevsky. Um, to make the the game, uh, I think that was the four three goal. So just a spectacular play by McDavid, highlighting him charging. You know he was at warp war, warp uh, speed ten tonight. That was his fastest speed, and it was consistent. It was through the game, and it, and it did highlight that we. I don't think we have something. I'm going to say something was physically wrong with McDavid for some time there, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, we know he had COVID. Um, there was a rumor one day at the all-star game, something about his knee. So there was this, that, and the other, like a few little things popping up, you know, the numbers were good. He was still, uh, in terms of creating grade A shots and getting off great shots, he was still getting it done, but, um, uh, the production was down and he didn't look like himself and he really did tonight. He was just all over the place, making great plays. He did, was one of the major culprits on Tampa's fourth goal. He was out killing a penalty. And he got kind of drawn into the corner and they passed it out and scored. Um, actually, Tampa didn't pass it out. Darnell Nurse tried to pass it to McDavid to get the puck out. And it went off a Tampa skate and bounced into the slot right to the Tampa shooter who who drove the puck home. So um, not a perfect game, but an, a, a, an out, a great game, maybe even an outstanding game from Connor McDavid. And, you know, they do have these two superstar players in Drysdale and McDavid. If they're going to make the playoffs, clearly they're going to have to play like two superstar players the rest of the way and drive this team, take this team um, on their backs towards that goal. Because as the season unfolds, we see the flaws on the team. Um, you're going to get into one of them <laughs> shortly. 
uh, and as am I uh, in in the in the bad things in the game. But uh, McDavid and Drysaitel are capable are capable of I think taking a, even an a, an okay team to the playoffs, and and that's mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen. So close to tying it, eh? Drysaitel hits the post on that one timer like they could <laughs> hardly have executed that any better. Wasn't it? That was a beautiful play. McDavid was just flying. Fly With the goalie on the bench, they haven't got one all year. Not even one. Really? Six on five or six on four. Not even one. Well, six on five. Lord yeah. forbid, Oilers actually got a power play down a stretch of a game. Tonight they had 17 seconds of power play advantage. While Warren Fogle got his head driven through the board. Anyway. That's just they, a small they part. They did of it. get away with a tripping penalty late they in the did. game there. They did. Yeah. So they did. And Victor Hedman got away with checking Leon Drysaddle in the face just yeah. before Edmonton got a penalty. So, yeah. That kind of stuff is frustrating and it's tiresome when, uh, when uh, it's, uh, you know, there's Stanley Cup champions for God's sake. You know what? They don't need that kind of break. All right. <laughs> What's your good thing? Uh, my good thing is mostly the play of the Oilers. I thought they had a you know a pretty darn good game, especially at five on five. Of course, they didn't get much five on four, although they executed perfectly when they did. Uh, but they outshot uh, uh, Tampa in all situations, sixty to forty-one in shot attempts, thirty to twenty-three in shots on goal, uh, fifteen to eleven in high danger shots. Uh, this is uh, as per uh, natural uh, stat trick. And at five on five, it was even uh, a greater advantage for uh, uh, for Edmonton. Uh, they had uh, uh, they won the expected goals battle significantly, and basically all of the right across the uh, uh, shot shares and you know control of the of the play as measured by attempts and types of attempts on goal. And they did hang in there when it got to four one. And that would have been an easy game to say, oh, hell, we're 4-1 against the champs. We are, you know, we're done, uh, you know, but uh, they hung around and uh, uh, they finally got a couple of saves in the third period. And they finally got, uh, well, late in the second, I guess, in the third. And they finally got, um, uh, were able to solve Vasilevsky a couple times and just weren't able to get that uh, that late equalizer. But I thought the team as a whole played pretty darn well on a, you know on the road against a, you know two time Stanley Cup champion they deserved better they deserved at least a point out of this game at least a point so um until the 3 mi- 3 minutes left in the second period Bruce mm-hmm. when Edmonton scored its second goal um Tampa had had nine five alarm shots and the Oilers had had two Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty dominating game up until that point um, in terms of uh, who was getting the very best chances, the very best shots, I should say. Because we count shots on net only. I think um, natural statric counts, counts chances. You know, missed shots, they will they, they give you credit for. Um, so what was impressive, though, was the comeback. And when they got it going, they really got it going. They looked like a very dangerous team. Um capable of playing with Tampa but um that wasn't the case all game and they sure dug themselves a very big hole so let's get into that I'm like my my bad thing is that that first goal against um if you want to beat Tampa 
if you want to beat any good team, you just you can't give up the first goal really. And and again, this was this was a play where I I think I saw just a little bit of a lack of effort that bothered me. Just certainly watching it. Maybe if you you watched it enough, you'd you'd, you'd be a little bit you know in the moment you can be kind of emotional and angry, but. But I did. I have watched it a few times. I went over the, you know, we go over the replays, and I didn't like Devin Shore's effort on this play, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, the play stops, starts off with, uh, and I didn't like William Loggison's effort either. If I'm completely mm-hmm. honest, he lost a pinch at the start. But then um, Shore's kind of, it's kind of a two-on-two where Shore's Broberry's back with Shore, and Shore's kind of a step behind the guy he's trying to check. But he never catches up, although he has all kinds of opportunity all the way up the ice. It's not a particularly fast break up the ice. It's a fairly slow break. And Shore just continually puts himself in a position where he's a step behind the guy. Um, you know, finally, that that uh, there's a pass over in Logos and then loses the battle, you know, on the pass over. Um, he... He does. He he allows the shot on net. He he gets beat on the shot on net, and I didn't like that. I mean, I just think he has. He, one of these guys has got to make these plays. These are marginal NHL players fighting uh-huh. for a job. I guess is why this is why they are marginal NHL players fighting for a job. They lose battles too much, uh-huh. and they they both lost key battles. It finally goes to the net, and sure, uh, again a step behind the play. If he hadn't been a step behind, maybe this doesn't happen. He puts it in, puts it in the net himself. You know, it's a it's a tough play, and this happens to hockey players. They feel terrible when it happens. But if he, I I just have, think if he had been more intense, more on top of it, maybe just thinking better, using his head better to get gain defensive position rather than being so reactive and stat, constantly stabbing for the puck. This doesn't happen. That play doesn't happen. So I didn't like the effort of the two Oilers players. On that particular play, I didn't like their defensive intensity or their defensive mindset. And this is an ongoing problem with the Oilers, um, where they're giving up too many good chances, too many good rushes, and it, it happened here. So let's segue to your bad thing because there's another player involved in that play that you want to single out. Yeah, well, another player was involved in several destructive plays to the Oilers' cause, and that was goaltender Mike Smith, who I thought had a very tough game again between the pipes. Uh, He was uh, just not keeping things clean and tidy around his crease, and he wasn't sealing off the holes uh, on that first goal. I mean, the shot that came in was not exactly a rocket. You know, the guy got around Lagesson, and he took a sort of semi shot on net slider along the ice and Smith punts the rebound right into the slot. Like the rebound came off his pad faster than it went into it, I think. And off of uh, Shores, I guess it was a stick, was it? And then it just slid inside the post or even off the post and in like a crappy bounce. But uh, even the second shot off of Shore, his goal stick, he lost control of his goal stick and wasn't able to just, you know, reach out and poke it wide. Like there's ways to clean up that mess and it did not get cleaned up and it uh, wound up in the net. That was the first one. The second one scored with uh, 15 seconds left in the first, just after Edmonton had tied it up late in the first on a great power play goal. And there's 17 seconds of power play that they got tonight. And, uh, uh, they're going to get to the to the buzzer tied one to one, and there's a little bit of sloppy play, but uh, uh, Stephen Stamkos is out at the faceoff circle, 
and he wheels around and shoots a puck and it hits Laguson and it goes, uh, it does deflect. Uh, but Smith is down on his knees doing something that the goaltending experts, of which I follow some on Twitter, and they were really all over Smith on this and saying, well, what's he doing? Doing the reverse vertical horizontal stack, they call it, where the guy's down on one knee and he's got the, the, the knee that's up is the one that's not sealing the post. And there's a picture and there's this great big hole over Smith's shoulder. Well, guess where the puck goes? Like the guy is six foot five, David. Get your damn shoulder up to the crossbar. Like it shouldn't it be that hard. And yet it keeps going in there. Terrible. Right over yeah. the shoulder. And I mean, that was an absolute crusher, killer goal just before the end of the first period. And then the third goal, the three one goal scored by Braden Point. And we probably scored as two high danger chances where they scored on the rebound. But the fact is the puck was sliding in. It came to point and he jammed at it. And then he jammed again. And Smith didn't seal the ice. He didn't get his, his uh, he didn't seal inside the post. And, and, and point just basically overpowered, little Braden point, overpowered the big six foot five netminder and was able to push the puck through him and slide it into the back of the net. Fourth goal, Corey Perry tipped from, you know, redirection, midair shot. That's not on the goalie. That's a goal that you can probably find defensive players to blame. I'm not going to put that one on the goalie. But I thought the goaltending was soft in this game. He wasn't sharp. He wasn't sealing. He was just kind of there and waving and reacting. And he made a few stops. And uh, uh, his technique is just off the charts bad. And... It cost them the hockey game, David. I'm convinced of that in this one. Cost them the he, hockey game. They had the, you know, Tampa got some saves and a couple posts. He, he didn't, uh, Bruce, I would I would be a little less, like the third goal, the point goal, I think was a pretty tough play, honestly. The play's coming in to the slot and the point rams it from in tight and then he beats him to the rebound. This will happen. But what I would note on that goal and the first two goals is he looks awkward. Yes. He doesn't look fit. He doesn't look gymnastic. Like he's he doesn't look like he's ready to bounce up and down easily. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's especially the first goal. He's just you know, and this this can happen to players, but usually means they're on the way out, right? Where they where they can no longer compete because they they're physically unable to do so. Like to do the things they used to do. So he just looks off. He doesn't look like the goalie we saw last year who looked on, who looked sharp. He looks like the goalie we saw the year before, who looked injured and awkward. That's what we're seeing again. And um, that goalie wasn't a very, you know, was a really marginal NHL goalie. This goalie that we're seeing, this version of Mike Smith is the same. And again, it's injury. And again, age and injury. And it shouldn't be, I guess, a huge surprise to anybody that this is occurring because he's, one of the oldest, if not the oldest goal in the NHL right now. So um, this is this goes with that territory, and the owners are hoping and praying, obviously, that he's gonna he's gonna find his A game again and be the Mike Smith of last season. Um, I'm Do starting you have to any wonder. Signs of that? No, I'm not. If I'm completely honest, I, I'm. I wish I was, yeah. but I'm not. So I mean, he's got he's Mike Smith. He's competitive. He looks like Mike Smith. He's big. He's got the long hair. He's fiery. Even his puck moving, Bruce, seems a little bit more tentative. Seems tentative and more air prone. Like everything's off. 
what he needed, what he needs to do probably is go to Bakersfield for a month and, and get health, like play a lot of games and get healthy. So could they do that? Could that happen? I mean, call up Stuart Skinner and have them change places. Cause I, I think Skinner would be a better goalie right now than Mike Smith. It's, it's not going to happen, but they're, they're stuck because he's, they gotta, he's got to work through whatever, whatever he's working through. He's going to, he's doing it in during a playoff run. And um, he could sink the Oilers. He is sinking the Oilers. And um, at this point. So, I, and, and you know, the, I guess the broad, you know, the broadcast crew is in his corner. You can, you can tell that. And, and uh, that's, but, which is fine. It is what it is. But what we have here is a failure to criticize. Yeah, there's you know, there like, is a little bit of pulling of punches going on from the Oilers broadcast crews crew on oh, both crews. I don't know. I haven't listened to the radio, so I can't say oh, that. I'll read the Twitter feeds anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's it's like I I I don't I think he's intimidating. Like in person, I, I would bet you anything that he he is a um uh he's a like a, he's a very strong personality. I mean, of that there can be no yeah. doubt whatsoever. Probably if we and, met him, Bruce, we wouldn't be talking the way we. <laughs> we're well, talking. we probably we've gotten an earful about now. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, and, who knows? I don't know yeah. if he does that or not. He's just. Yeah, I, I, I imagine he, he clearly is an intimidating person because mm-hmm. the way he plays hockey on the in the on the NHL ice, you can just see that. I don't know what he what he is with reporters. I know when you when you know people, it's it gets to be more difficult to criticize them, right? Like if right. if you're around them all the time, and so anyway, that's this is a small thing. The bigger the big issue is he's injured. He's coming off injury repeatedly. Mm-hmm. He's not right. And it could cost the team big time. And so yeah, Ken Holland's it's on Ken Holland now. I think shifts now and then, <clears throat> you know, shifts what what the need is. It, it's it, is it a left side defenseman who can who can hold the fort in a second pairing if Duncan Keith can't? Um, you know, someone who's fundamentally interchangeable with Keith on the second pairing. Would be a hell of an acquisition at this point, I think. But I think the number one priority is goalie. So we'll see see if they can do something with that. Well, we had a situation tonight where they have one game in five days, like two days off before, two days off after, and then a back-to-back. So you know they're going to split, and you hope they're going to split the games on the weekend. So whoever plays tonight is the number one goalie. Well, the choice was between Mikko Koskinen, who played well and won in Winnipeg on Saturday, or Mike Smith, who gave him four goals on seven shots on Sunday, and they went with Mike Smith. So, you know, you can question the coach's decision. I wrote to you guys this morning in the DM, this is going to be interesting. Well, after giving in four on seven shots last night, Smith gave in four on the first 14 shots tonight. Not good. All right. Are we at our numbers are you no? We got your bad thing. Oh, you, we just did Smith. Yeah, that was okay. my bad thing. We can roll into my number because they really are related. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I'm going to choose. There's going to be a few numbers in here before I'm done, probably. But 20 in 10. This is the last 10 games that Mike Smith has started, and this is all the ones since his first injury. So I'm not counting the game against Anaheim where he gave in four goals and 15 shots and got hurt. But since he came back just after Christmas. Uh, in St. Louis, New Jersey, Toronto on the road trip. Uh, he's given up in 10 games, t- 10 first periods, one of which he didn't even get to the end of the period, 20 goals against in the 10 first period. First period. 
His goals against average in the first period is over two goals a period, not two goals a game, which is how you measure goals against average. Like, the Oilers are getting beaten early in these games. It happened again tonight, two to one down at the end of the first. And it's like eight of the ten games he gave up at least two goals in the first period. And this just in, eight of the ten games, Oilers lost. So, and yet he's been available, David, for 12 games since uh, the first month of the season, and he's played, started 10 of the 12, and he's responded with those kind of numbers, and I have it at an 881 save percentage over uh, over In that, that time span. period. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, seven. my bad, seven losses, three, three, six, and one in the 10 games since. So. And he had three wins in a row after the Woodcroft uh, installation, beat the Islanders, beat the Kings, beat the Ducks, gave up one, gave up two, gave up three, and they gave up four to the Wild, four more tonight. Four is sort of the the magic number. And his overall save percentage on the year is 891. And guess what? Uh, that just is not good enough. Uh, so, you know, they got Stuart Skinner. Mm. He's played 13 games in Edmonton. He has a 913 save percentage, which is the, easily the best save percentage of the Oilers goalies. He's played 14 games in the AHL. He's got a 921 save percentage, which which I'm guessing is one of the best in the AHL this year. Mm. They've got a they've got a goalie who's ready for the NHL, ready for a, you know clearly ready. Maybe it's time to just suck it up mm-hmm. and go with Skinner. Go with Skinner with Koskinen as the backup. Send Smith down to the HL, see if he can get in shape. See if he see if he can put together a run where he where he can get a nine, you know, above nine ten, nine twenty yeah. safe percentage. Like seriously, like Holland and Holland and Woodcroft Holland's made harder decisions than that this year, firing the coach. This that's a bigger decision. But at, at some point, when you're not getting results, this is the NHL is all about winning. And Smith ain't doing it. So uh, he's I don't know if if there's a way to do could what is this contract situation could they even do that? He has to, a, he has he signed a 35 plus contract. It was a two year deal at 1.9 million this year and a cool 600 thousand raise next year to 2.5 for a cap hit of in the average of 2.2. And there's less they can do with that contract because it was a 35 plus. But um, no, I'm just wondering if he has a no movement clause, Bruce, or a oh. Um, like if you, they can send him down, they'd have to waive mm-hmm. him, right? Yes. And uh, would it, I don't see any other team in the NHL picking him up for two point two million dollars next year. Not with so, a year to run, and the way he's, not with uh, a year to run playing. No, so send him down, and um, you take that chance. You, you just and um, call up Skinner. Be a bit of a you know it's a gambling move, but. Um, might be time to do some gambling, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. There's no clauses this year. Last year he had a. Last year he had a. No, I'm just looking. He, he doesn't. Clause. He doesn't have anything like that. So it's listen, like, hey, two week conditioning stint. You can send a player down, right? Yeah. Just, just pick the next. The next time Bakersfield has five games or whatever, and six games in two weeks, send him down, and he can play five of them. Get him. Get him. See if he can get his crap together. back because this does not seem to be working out for the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, well, I'm with you in the sense that I don't think he's fully healthy and I don't think he has been 
in any of his comebacks to this point. I think he's trying to battle through it. I mean, he's got this reputation as being a battler, even as he lost some battles tonight. Um, and it's just it's just not there in his, his form. Like, he's lunging again. This was the Smith we saw the year before. The year before. Last. And when he was with Calgary, yeah. for that matter, in the playoffs, you know, back in his net and lunging at, at pucks. And it's not exactly... Uh, 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 a technique that's uh, built for success in the modern NHL. Do I think the Oilers will do what I just suggested, send them to the farm? No. 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 Not happening. No. Not happening. Okay. Um, my number, Bruce, is it, you already mentioned um, Dry Settle's great one timer that rang off the post. That was the the what I call the full executioner shot, you know, where he just kind of lashes his body forward, lashes his stick towards the net like it was like a, an axe, and um, hammers that puck. It's his trademark uh, scoring move. And so in the first 25 games of the year, Leon Dreisaitl got off 11 such executioner shots in all situations. Um, I track it. I you know I we you know in our um, Call to hockey um grade a shots thing I, I describe each play and if he does that I, i've been marking it down so 11 in the first 25 games in the last 26 that was the third that was the third time he's been able to get off such a shot in the last 26 games so clearly other teams are aware of the lethal nature of that particular play and they're taking it away but they were able to to um execute tonight and it was it's a thing of beauty when they do and he Man, he came so close to scoring. It would have been wonderful if he did. It's been so long. It seems like so long since the Oilers, you know, had a big, super big win. I guess they have come back and had some wins, but you know that that would have been tremendous to come back in this game and get and something get out a of it. Point. Yeah, get a point. In the, I I agree Take with you. They chances get, after, but get the point. Yeah, would have been. They I think they were deserving of a point tonight. They could have easily, uh, easily got that and. Uh, they were one post away from getting it, so that's a tough play. Yeah, well, Leon's. Uh, I, I tweeted about this today, and uh, in the first 25 games, uh, Leon had 13 power play goals, and Connor had five. And in the second 25 games, they each had one, one power play goal in 25 games from their two lethal scorers. And the power play, surprise, surprise, has kind of been in the tank the whole time. Well, I guess McDavid read my tweet because he lashed one home right away in the first power play to at least get, get himself back on the board. And they need more of that. I mean, it just it's time. Their their big guns are are getting paid big bucks to put the puck in the net. And and I mean, they, their overall stats are all right, but uh, they, they you know they they're not firing on all cylinders. Haven't been for a little while. And one of the cylinders that's been misfiring has been on the power play. So tonight, one goal in 17 seconds. You can't really complain about that aspect of it. They'd executed, and they—they uh, uh, they are. Uh, uh, that's something that, that they really have to get going for them again, because that's a, a lethal weapon for the Oilers when it's right. One other player I like, Bruce. Just this isn't. This is an extra good thing. I I, I like Ryan McLeod's game tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought he was really flying and playing well, and. Um, Got off a good shot. Um, when he was he did part of the, shoot that one time. Yeah, he was part of the problem on one of the goals against where they where they came shooting up the middle and 
that was the uh i think the third the fourth goal third goal um where they came shooting up the middle but he was just one of the culprits on that one including nima line and who got who was really i i you know i thought actually you know you you were mad at smith on that play i was mad at nima line and he was right on point and he lost that battle um but Ryan McLeod is looking good. He's looking increasingly like an NHL player who might be here for a while. And um, he's got the speed and the size and the skill. And he's starting to make plays at the NHL level. He's starting to go for it and try to do that. So, And he's got a, obviously got a coach who believes in him. Um, Tyler Benson, Yamamoto, and McLeod had a shift there in the third period. They looked like a decent little line, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was interesting. Um, they came close to, to scoring a goal but Vasilevsky thwarted them on Benson's uh, pass into the slot before Yamamoto could get his stick on it. But uh, that whole line looked good, and those and uh, McLeod especially. It looked better if Yamamoto was able to get his shots away quicker and on the net. But, uh, uh, yeah. uh, McLeod, 20 minutes and four seconds he played tonight. Certainly that's a career high. Uh, two minutes and 20, he led the Oilers on shorthanded time. And 17:44, and he played uh, first line left wing, second line left wing, fourth line center. Like he was the first guy shifting in with Benson and Shore on the fourth line, which he did a couple times. And they were just they seem to be using him. And when I say they, Jay Woodcroft seems to be confident to use Ryan McLeod in a multitude of situations and using him as a as a jack of all trades. And he's not quite Nuge level, but the usage is not that different. In terms of center, wing, special teams, and you know, just uh, uh, giving them a, a crack. And of course, with the skills that he's got, with the size and the speed and the ability to transport the puck at least out of danger and get it, get it going in the right direction. Uh, that's a, those are the sort of skills that will fit in on any line. I was just looking at McLeod stats, and I looked down one player, and there was a few players, and there was Nugent Hopkins minus three tonight. Minus three. And it's interesting because when we went and reviewed those goals, we didn't have him as making a mistake on any of them, Bruce. Some, so, but Lagason, who was minus three. Empty netter would be one. Yeah, Lagason, who was minus three, he earned all those minus marks. But Nuge didn't, uh, at least according to our reckoning, he didn't earn any of them. So that's all. That's why goals plus minus can be a little bit of a tricky stat for to put a lot of weight on. Yeah. No, it's, a, it's an indicator. It is not exactly a, a solid stat. Uh, here's a solid stat. Nine hits from Marcus Niemelainen tonight, of which I particularly remember one on Corey Perry, where he absolutely mashed him into the sideboard, so just inside Edmonton's blue line. Totally clean hit, but boy, did he ever catch all of them. Uh, he's, he's hit, uh, he's hit uh, Dustin Brown. Now he's hit Corey mm-hmm. Perry. Yeah. Ryan Kessler has to come out of retirement, so <laughs> just, Niemelainen can hit him. That's what they need. <laughs> That's what we, that's you know what, what we all need. is going to be winning fans by hitting Corey Perry oh, and Dustin Brown. I oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we'll see how this battle is shaping up. But, you know, because there's uh, Broberry, Niemelainen, and um, Lagason all vying for, for playing time on the left side. So, with and Chris Russell and Keith are going to both be coming back. Now, Russell right. and Keith, in theory, could play ahead of, they could be the, the, uh, the guys who are in the lineup. But at this point, Niemelainen is going to be giving Russell a good run for his money, I think, just because of that physical aspect. It's it's a, it, it makes a difference to the team. And um, they need it. And he's decent enough as a defender. Um, he's decent enough as a puck mover so far. He's hanging in there at least. So 
I think he might be the third third pairing defenseman going down the stretch. He that's where he's trending at least. Broberry needs more time in the AHL still. Exactly. Uh, just to get his confidence higher. You know, you can see the skill there, speed and the size. But um, and then Lagesson, we'll see. That was a really rough game tonight. He had been playing better recently though, so he's mm-hmm. still in the running. Yeah, he's been playing good, but uh, he had a tough yeah. night tonight for sure. Yeah. All right, Bruce. So Saturday, early Saturday morning at 11 a.m. our time. Is that right? 10.30 Saturday, 11 yeah. Sunday. 10.30 oh, against Florida Panthers. So cool. let's hope the Oilers are ready to start that game uh, against recent uh, um, trends. But maybe the early start will actually wake them up. <laughs> well, it makes it easier for me, those, t- those early games. So I'm coaching games... Saturday and Sunday night. So would have been tough to have them on at the same time as order games. So they're better for me. I don't know if it's good for the orders or not. We'll see. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.